I think this has all been really leveling. So I hope we can all take the positives from it. You know, in beer, it's always a team effort. You're always in it to help the other person. And there's always someone across the bar or at another brewery or, you know, that you met at a festival or an event. And it is, it's not always about what's in the glass. It's about what's around it. That's Miranda Hudson, co-founder of Duration Brewing in Norfolk, with some reflections on the impact of COVID on the brewery and the industry. Thanks for listening to yet another Beer Beauty podcast. I'm Marvereen Cole, journalist, broadcaster, beer columnist for BBC Good Food Mag and accredited beer sommelier. My attempt to spread the word about the beauty in beer is what this podcast is all about. And I'm going to officially badge this one as an International Women's Day special, because I believe that Miranda is really one of the most exciting women in beer right now. And there are going to be lots of other incredible women involved in beer joining me later in this season. But before we really get into things, I just wanted to flag up a couple of other bits that are coming along in the pod. I'll be chatting about some of the beers I've been tasting this week, um, a jaunt around the three that I highlight in the March copy of BBC Good Food Mag, uh, where my column is. And there'll be two more beer love notes where you can give your most cherished beer a mention. All you've got to do is tell me about it. So keep listening and I'll explain how you do that later. Back to Miranda and we talk about durations, awesome beers, of course, how it all started spoilers, it's a love story, and how the brewery's gotten on this year. And I've been lucky enough to meet Miranda in person, and we really connected straight away. So that's where the podcast starts. Miranda Hudson, what can I say? It's been possibly two years since I saw you last. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I'm actually stupidly excited to be chatting to you. It's not just me though, is it? It's just, I'm, I'm just, just anyone. I'm just a release. Not that you're not, you're yeah, someone exactly. obviously, but it, <laughs> any, you know. I think it has been a while. I saw you at um, Birmingham Beer Week. Yeah, and I think that was. I think that was at least a year and a half, maybe more. Yeah, was it May or Jul- July? And I think it might have been 2019 because like basically last year was a write-off, yeah. so... We were building the brewery and I used it as an escape to like not have to deal with builders and be at the site. I was like, yes, no, it's very important that I I go along to this event and drink beer. And you know what? When I met you, Miranda, and it was the first time we met, I was thinking, what on earth are you doing coming all the way from Norfolk, (laughs) where your brewery is, all the way to Birmingham? That's some mileage. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an excuse to get away or just have a little bit of respite from building your, what is now your magnificent brewery, um, Kings Lynn. Mm-hmm. Give us a, get for anybody who doesn't know about Duration Beer, and hey, where the heck have you been if you don't? Give us a potted history because, you know, look at your website. Um, it's the coolest picture, you know, Bates is looking like real cool, mean and moody, and you're there like going, hey! <laughs> this big smiley face yeah we're very 
different as people. I was going to say, get, get, kind of get that vibe from the photo. Yeah. So as we took into beer, um, and I'm drinking your, um, I'm starting off with you end up where you were. I'm Lovely, starting nice with that. little table pail. Yeah. Very good. Um, I tried to match you, but we're out of stock of that one at the brewery. So I've got a nice grisette called Little Fanfare that's weighing whoa. in at 3.8%. I'm going to crack nice. mine now. Crack yours open. Yeah, honestly, you know, there's a lot I love about what you do, but actually let's get um, let's get into where and how you started and, mm -hmm. and what you're doing now, you know, because you're doing so many exciting things and we want to get across all of that so we can then um, dive in and start, you know, Fun, we can start yeah. buying and tasting. <laughs> well, for anyone that hasn't come across us, we are a destination farmhouse brewery in West Norfolk. I say destination, but obviously all destinations are off at the moment. So we do open a tiny little sort of cellar door at the moment on a, under our off license premise but yeah we're a farmhouse brewery and we kind of set out to make wild ales and fresh beers that belong so we really wanted to reconnect brewing to its agricultural roots and kind of celebrate terroir in beer and that's fantastic terroir is that word that's always seemed to be the preserve of uh, uh wine vint yeah. vin Vintners. I'm showing my ignorance there. So living, hearing you talk about, you know, the, 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 the need and the desire for provenance to be so yeah. deeply at the heart of what you do. But also we're surfing on the sort of suppliers ingredients, you know, so whatever the season is like informs the malt and the yeast. Our region and where we brew informs, you know, the water, which gives the mouthfeel. So there's so many things around a beer that you have to sort of be in tune with from a farming perspective that I think, you know, I'm, I'm not the brewer in our outfit, but, but Bates always bangs on about this. And it's, you know, mm -hmm. and it just makes sense to be where the barley grows and to sort of see it live and in effect but also just to be inspired by that so i'm a city girl like i'm born and raised brixton girl so for me i'm like what nature <laughs> i don't know anything outside of like the city farm and um so it's it was a real sort of baptism of a total point of difference for me and it was really exciting to be following you know my husband bates our brewer he's been brewing for gosh like near on two decades he mm. he's always either worked in a kitchen or a brew pub or a brewery they're his three sort of familiar places excellent and, for and him, so how did you meet then for you to be kind of um be taken away from brixton <laughs> and out into the, into the wilds of norfolk this is an interesting story here i was having a holiday and it was basically quite a big holiday. I'd hit my early 30s and I was like, well, I just feel like a total change of plan. So I decided to have my gap year, but at 34. <laughs> and Good for you, like it. So like I, it. I, yeah, I went off and I, you know, like I, I used to do work with a charity. So I went and um, volunteered for a little bit and went and hung out at this charity I love and then went around the globe bit by bit and sort of went to all the places I'd never got to go to before and um, invited you know 
friends and family to join me for different bits. And I wound up three weeks before coming home at a wedding (laughs) in South Carolina. You didn't, just, you didn't just gate crash someone's wedding. I didn't literally gate crash. I, my <laughs> hosts were guests and they said, come along, no one will mind. And, you know, it was when you think of the American Deep South, it was really evocative, you know, like Spanish moss hanging from the trees and just, mm. you know, creaky old rooms and just, you know, very laid back affair. The wedding... Um, everyone like a lot of people were barefoot and some people had cowboy boots on there was a lot of like low country boil and it's just a really really beautiful setting and then out of the wedding group walks this guy with a massive mohawk like 14 inch kind of liberty (laughs) mohawk like just right across the top of his head and um there were all these American dudes just going, oh, you're such an English rose. Say cup OT. And I'm like, okay, fine. But and you humoured them. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually not that like Queen's English really. But yeah, whatever. Oh, we'll... So they, they were like just in a bit crap. And he came up and was like, would you care to dance? And I was like, oh, yes, please. And then he knew the kid and play moves. Oh, my goodness. You said he's quite surly and quiet. That's his outer appearance. But for some reason that night, he wanted to wow me on the dance floor. I've never seen him dance again. (laughs) Oh, it's a wedding vibes. It's a wedding vibes. It was a wedding vibes. And uh, meeting his future wife, it was probably, uh, you know, clapped eyes in and went, yes. Well, he knew when we met. He knew. (laughs) He was like, I know, this is it. And I was like, no, mate, I'm on a nice holiday. You know, I'm like going home soon. (laughs) Really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I came home and I was telling my mum, I was like, oh, it's so much fun. You know, I was here and I was there and then I met this guy. And she was like, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden he was getting a plane ticket and coming to see me. And I was like, mum, mum, how do I? I'm quite independent. And she was like, it's all right. It's all right. Just say, you know that he can stay for a little bit, but not to get too cosy. And then he just never went home. This is amazing to me that <laughs> he was almost like, oh yeah, no, too independent, not sure, not sure. But then obviously swept you off your feet when yeah. he arrived. I mean, cause that, that's no, that's no small move, right? No, <laughs> he all. said his dad told him to beg forgiveness rather than ask permission. <laughs> so he's coming. What and I was like, story. oh my God. And he speaks in all these kind of Mark Twain, you know, like old proverbial. Like when I saw him at the the airport, he was like, I'm as nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm a bit jittery as well. (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic impression of him. (laughs) Yeah. And so, I'm sure when he hears his podcast, he's going to love the impression even more. I know. He'll be like, I don't talk like that. I'm not oh. Forrest Gump or <laughs> And so when he wowed you then, did he um, wow you with beer or were you already a beer lover, a beer drinker? Um, I would say I was a broad lover of all things. So I love all everything that can get offered on a menu you know so but I wasn't as into craft beer I'd say 
So I'd probably have gone for a cocktail, maybe a glass of wine. And, you know, if there'd been beer on the menu, I probably would have had some. Like, I definitely drank a lot of beer in my uni years. Mm. But I think it was through him that my love of beer came. So on my second, he came over, you know, and then I went back over to visit him for a little bit. And then he came back over. And on one of those trips, he took me, you know, on this, we did the Kentucky, like, um, bourbon trail wow and then we also went down the east coast but i remember like up in chicago discovering loads of breweries with him and then working our way down um going across or well, going all the way up to vermont and you know everywhere in between and 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 going to lots and lots of breweries and thinking this is nice there's nothing like this in london and at that time, was that kind of exploration, which sounds amazing, I'm so jealous. <laughs> was that, um, were you kind of, um, you know, exploring beer for yourself? Or had you at that point started talking about the possibility of having your own brewery? And was it a fact find? You know, what point was it at? Was it just a fun mm. exploration? Or was it was fact find on the agenda at all definitely some of the trips were you know research trips and we were like let's go to hill farmstead you know mm. if we want to do this whole farmhouse thing i've got to see it mm. and then um other ones were like you know i remember going to the really early kernel with him and i think they were next to or there was some cheese involved and mm. and being like i think this is it for uk sort of craft brewing scene at the moment and then in Brixton we walked past Brixton Brewery and it was really early days and I made Bates go and sort of say hello to them and say mm. he was a brewer and I, I he was working in restaurants at the time he's worked doing the dry aging room um for Goodman uh, yeah. the steakhouse group and I remember being like you've got to you know fathom together a homebrew kit and make some beer and just you know just get out there and he was like, oh, the last thing brewers want is home brewers coming in, giving their beer. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. Strike I think, up a conversation. But the thing is, they're used to it as well, though. A lot yeah. are. So, you know. And, and Jez at Bricks and Brewery was really nice when we did go in and have a chat. So anyway, I, I sort of said to him, well, look, you're, he'd been working in restaurants most of the time. I'd known him. And say we're in about 2011. Okay, um, so coming up 10, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we met in 2010. Then he came over 2000, well, on and off, back and forth. And then we had our daughter in 2012. Mm -hmm. And by the time we had her, he had gotten himself a job at Brewdog, but setting up the bars. Sure. And he wasn't brewing then, but he wanted to be. So I think he ended up going to work at Brew By Numbers maybe like 13 to 15, something like that. And then in 2014, I remember putting together a business plan and being like, just imagine it with me. What do you want? Is it a brew pub? Is it in London? Is there a food offering? How does it work? And I just sort of, he's one of these people you've got to drag it out of his Yeah, head. and when they see that's a beauty, you know, that's what you bring to the party in terms of, you know, <laughs> the, the, everything else around, you know, that cements and builds the house around the brewing, right? Yeah. You know, that's where your expertise comes in. Otherwise, it, it, it might it have happened at all. It might have just been something There's to think about. absolutely no way it would have happened. Yeah. I'm not yeah, being rude yeah. to Bates, but he, no. he, he's very 
visionary and it's there, but yeah, he's visionary and is there, but it needs to be sort of manifested. So, so yeah, we got, we got it on paper and we actually did a bit of a pitch to a restaurant group that we knew and, um, and they sort of liked it. And I think we could have moved forward with that, but, but, but I remember Bates feeling like it's not quite me. And I was like, so we've written up, it was a brew pub model Mm -hmm. with a lot of food involved and sort of making beer to service this um, pub, brew pub model. And he said, I kind of want it freer than that. And the investment that would come in, they'd want to make it theirs and it it wouldn't quite be mine. It wouldn't be independent, yes. And there was a bit too much leaning at that stage around the the food. Yeah, wanted more independence, yeah. So we, we kind of left it for a bit and then and then we were looking like cause stuff was kicking off in Bristol because I remember going to see mm. like Lost and Grounded and just feeling like loads of exciting stuff was happening. And, yeah. and he was like, actually, London isn't the be all and end all. There's so much more happening in other places like Manchester, Birmingham, Birmingham. <laughs> so I was like, well, then if it didn't feel right as a brew pub and in the city and in London and the rents are high, let's just totally revision it. So we started looking in earnest for a site and I was like, it's got to be within two hours of my mum. Like, yeah, that's just all there is to say. Absolutely. Got to have rules. Mums are yeah. mums. You got to be there for them. <laughs> and also London's like a major hub for beer to sell to. So makes sense to be near. So I was like, Bristol, what's the other way? Oh, look, there's Norfolk over there. No one's done anything in Norfolk. It could be like far and away, Bates. You could go and claim your land. That's so cool. And you at that time, would you, you, you didn't think anything of it in terms of going to Norfolk, being from London. It was just wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Or was well, it? Well, I think, you know, I'm quite a traveller sort of anyway. Like I'd I'll go, I, I came to Norfolk for a friend's 30th and like stayed in my car, slept and then drove home the next morning. <laughs> so I don't, I don't mind, you know, if there's, if there's a quick flight that gets you to Cornwall, whatever, like yeah. London isn't really that, like England, sorry, isn't really that big. Yeah. So I was like, what's three hours, you know? And then also beer's so sociable and there's so many events and Bates isn't going to do them. So I'll be travelling anyway. <laughs> so you knew, you were like, yeah, that's going to be me. That's my role. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And it seems like, it feels like, and uh, I'd be interested to know what you feel about it. To me, your um, the excitement around duration is so huge it feels like a real stratospheric rise but not without um with not without substance a lot of substance a lot of great beer um and on top of great beer and this is me blowing smoke you know not doing that but you know i'm sitting here with you two um bees and i've i've had the table i had um you end up where you were um Mm -hmm. with um uh a kind of oh, a sweet a sweet dish tonight so I, ha- I had pancakes tonight so i had that with pancakes and i'm on turtles all the way down oh, um yeah. five and a half percent um 
and I'm feeling the cans. So, well, I'd, I'd drink out of cans. I'll drink out of glasses. I'll, you know, I'll just get it down, get it down my neck. But <laughs> I, um, the cans. You know, Bates made them to hold. So. Yes, that's just what I was going to say. They're tactile. There's they texture are. under your fingers. Because um, wherever he beautiful. goes, if he's if he's going for a beer, he often if we're going for an afternoon, say to someone else and they're cooking out, he'll take a cool box and he'll just plonk his cool box down and tell people to help themselves. And because they're submerged in icy water, he wants them textured so they don't slip. It's such a simple idea, but it's also genius, isn't it? <laughs> and then um, it just makes them quite tactile, doesn't it? It's wonderful. And then but, you, you, the colour, the design, um, never, the, always challenging you, never just kind of, oh, that's a, that's an abstract bit of art, or oh, you know, that's a cartoon character that I've seen on some balls yeah. of beer. It, there's so much wonder. I mean, you know, what what what's the kind of thinking that goes into can design so the great thing about setting up a brewery that you have sort of built from the ground up is you can put all the rules in place so because we think beer's beautiful inside and out we wanted the representation of the beer to really land we also wanted you know what's written on the back of the can to not sort of tell you what you're going to taste so rather than say you're going to taste pineapple or you're gonna you know we just put a little bit of philosophy <laughs> on the back so what what we do from start to finish is Bates thinks of I know when he's thinking of a beer because he sits in our rocking chair by the fire <laughs> that getting inspiration nervous as a long tail cat <laughs> <laughs> but but he um he thinks of a beer like for a moment so he thinks so his we're doing an Italian Pilsner and he wants it to be the beer that he has when he's cutting the grass. <laughs> oh, wow. An so, exact moment, right? <laughs> yeah. So he thinks of like an inspiration for the beer or what, what its purpose is when, when it's to be enjoyed. And then we name it. And then from that name, I give a little bit of blurb. So with my one that I'm drinking is called Little Fanfare. And it says, enjoy a wave of satisfaction in this spritzy thirst quencher and salute another day done. Um, and, you know, so this one is to fire up the grill for a midweek treat. So oh. for us, it's just a little light Belgian beer that you enjoy when you've got your grill out. But, yeah, so we, we come up with the name and that little bit of writing. And then that goes to an artist and the artist can do whatever they feel is relevant on the can. So the artwork comes from the title of the beer and those little 60 odd words that we write. And then Bates has given me the inspiration to write those words. Like it's for total pointability because you're cutting the grass and it's a hot day. <laughs> and so, so then, so, so I feel like that's the one great thing about having a company that you can sort of set the rules for because I feel like the beers often land with intention even if they're it's just a bit of frivolous fun but if people want to dive in deep to them you can find a bit more but I think like saying we've had a meteoric rise or whatever you said is really flattering like we've worked really hard we've been going at this for three years and you know we've been open for I think just over well, we opened November 19, so a year and 
you know, a few months. And um, I think the biggest bit that was difficult for us was the setting it up. Like we put a lot of energy and thought into this building because it was this beautiful sort of priory building full of history already mm. and to sort of change it around very sympathetically into a brewery took a lot of thinking and then because we had to seek permissions to change that historic barn we had to like plan out how much beer we'd make at year five how many cars that might bring if we had a tap room how much wastewater we're going to produce and like how we're going to get rid of that wastewater and all all of these things so it meant that we really thought about it and eyeballed it all and then it also meant that we put in most of like rather than doing a brewery that's kind of let's just open and then improve as we go we kind of put a lot of investment in up front um so that the equipment you know we went with the bavarian brew house um and bates has brewed you know, like I said, for a, a long time, brewed on all different types of kits. And he had a real clear idea of the beers he wanted to make. So our manufacturer of the brew kit, we could say, right, we want it to get really hot to make pilsners and lagers. But we also want to be able to, you know, do step mash brewing and we want to have a wild side. So we, we need to pump the wort over here. We need a quick plate chiller. So he could put pen to paper with the design of the brew house and really get it exactly how we wanted. Mm. So I think that we almost over-designed the brewery. (laughs) But But, it just means that a lot of that work's now done. And we can just have nice, consistent beer made really well. Bates is great at sort of the design element and the, the recipe creation. And then the kit performs really well to always deliver. Like we've... I think we've dumped two runs because he was being stupid trying to brew with like some spore from Japan <laughs> instead of yeast. Um, and so obviously if you're trying to be that Sounds experimental, insane. it's not going to land first time. <laughs> but yeah, like the kit really doesn't let us down. So I feel like all of that hard work early on has meant that the beer tastes really good. And and that's the beauty of it. You know, you, you've made um, such a commitment, such an investment. Uh, you, you've been so intentional about it that it, intentional. Sorry, I don't know whether I said that mm-hmm. uh, enough. Um, but you've been so intentional about it because, you know, from what you're saying, it feels very much like this is your home for the long haul so that all Mm. of that work and all of that exploration and all of that research um allows you to maybe grow into it if you've got room to 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 grow into the site Mm -hmm. is there there room to kind of expand within the site yeah yeah hugely we left a little spot for like a fourth vessel Mm. and we started off with just three fermentation tanks in lockdown we actually have doubled in staff and increased our cellar capacity by 40 percent um yeah i was really amazed that we were able to do that we've taken aback by that yeah i mean it's definitely been a bit oscillating in in this past 12 months i was going to talk to you about that yeah (laughs) the dreaded c word i know i mean can you 
can you characterize the highs and lows of the the year and how you've gotten through it uh highs and lows of the year oh man i mean um, ever ever adapting and ever evolving like just it's either like tap dancing on hot coals or like riding on a lava field on a sheet of ice and just trying to get to the other side yeah yeah i mean did you when um did you ever expect and do you think you were ever fully pre prepared for the depth of um the lockdown in terms of um the length of time that pubs and hospitality has been closed um and then yeah. how and then how to handle that impact no i i wasn't prepared and you know i think everyone thought six months you know so in march um last year we we have a really small shareholding of, of local um, business people and friends and family and you know we'd put our own um, savings into the business so we all got together and were like right then so let's assume worst case scenario and let's put a six month time bracket on this this is what we need to sort of stay afloat and. I think we stopped producing beer for three weeks, but we had full tanks and we just filled them. So actually we didn't really ever stop. We, we just, well, we, we just had a slight pause in production. And then this really odd thing happened where, because it was a total lockdown and we had an online shop, it just soared. Um, and because we are really small, and we had been entirely wholesale. So we were working with like five regional distributors and each one of them, you know, we had three tanks. So all of that would only ever make six pallets of beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, we'd have these five or six distributors. Each of them would take a couple of pallets. That'd be it. And we'd done this like two or three times since we'd opened because mm -hmm. we'd only been open four months before. God. This March period. Yeah, yeah. So we just about got ourselves set up. We put a few festivals in the diaries. We were like, this is going to be a year. Mm -hmm. no, <laughs> we've just no. we've just spent all our money on this kit. We've just spent three years of our life. We've just oh moved God. city. And then we were like, oh, no. But then, yeah, all of those wholesalers, we had conversations with them. Some of them said, right, you know, we're going to have to be forced to close some of them were like we're going to try and keep going just with small pack but they're on a sort of 30 day term with you mm. and then they take the beer it takes a couple of weeks and then they're getting it to their customers or our trade customers so all of our beer was sort of out with them but all of our current orders just all cancelled so we were like to all of our wholesalers if off licenses want to buy beer from us direct, do you mind if we take those customers? Because if you're not going to take the beer, we've got no business model other than our web shop, which did, you know, maybe 10 orders a week. <laughs> um, Whoa. Yeah. So yeah, all went overnight, but then the web shop sort of soared and then yeah we opened i think 300 individual trade accounts in that first month hang on who's handling that that's not just you on your own is it 
you're not handling all of that. You've got a team. <laughs> That's a no, lot of accounts. At that point, there were three of us. <laughs> and on God. The, on the day, on 16th of March, Leanne came in as an admin hire and she had a real baptism. She was suddenly, because su- suddenly, you know, if you're putting together, you know, six pallets a month versus 50, 60 orders a day, smaller, mm. your warehouse is doing a lot more work for smaller individual sales yeah, so you need more hands yeah so a lot more hands so she'd be like at the brew with me we'd be filling up boxes then we'd run home and then we'd be on the phones and then we'd be on the emails and then we'd be sending invoices so it was like hectic it sounds like hamsters on a wheel but you were going 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 and sustaining the business which is ultimately yeah, you know it feels it, all like you matters. know those those 80 fil- 80s films where the music plays and you know the the little whatever it is apple source company is suddenly like taking off oh, it was yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and so even though they were very small incremental mm. orders collectively they were adding up so and then we ran out of beer what what, what point was that, <laughs> was that? So, so yeah by about april we'd run out of beer Shop entirely horror. yeah and then because we'd paused for those three weeks we had this gap where there was beer in tank, but we didn't have it yet. And at that point, I was like, oh, I could sell the beer four times over. No. But I don't have any. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then we went into a lockdown. So then, you know, I was all of the kegs obviously didn't move. And so they eventually had to be replenished or replaced or destroyed. So, yeah, it's been a very, like, up and down sort of time but I mean what better way to learn yeah exactly and and also find that alternative way of getting your beers to people you know who want it because basically yeah. you, 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 you needed to fulfill demand of customers all over yeah. the place going well we love duration beer how are we going to get it <laughs> yeah and then when when in, when there was the whole eat out to help out then we couldn't have we didn't have enough kegs you know because we you have to sort of time as a brewery we're thinking of our recipes like two months ahead of when you're drinking them so we run out of kegs at that point and then we couldn't make enough kegs and then we got locked down again in november and then we were stuck with a few kegs and so it's just been quite exhaustive like because there's no length of time that you know so with our investors and everyone, we sat down and we were like, right, six months. Come November, six months, I was like, so guys, I think that uh, we're going to need to make a second backup plan <laughs> because it's not coming back, is it? And now my second backup plan will take me to April. Come April, I might have to make another plan up. <laughs> Hello, I'm Marvereen and this is the Beer Beauty Podcast where I introduce you to people in beer that I think are pretty much amazing. Uh, I've read about them, drunk their beers, met them in the past or not at all. I might just have connected with them virtually, but they are all awesome. And not just industry workers, but drinkers too. And this is the International Women's Day edition and I'm chatting to Miranda Hudson, co-founder of Duration Brewing. I just jumped in to bring you two beer love notes, odes to beer, that drinkers have emailed me. Hey there, Marvereen. It's Tim from Birmingham here. I heard you were looking for some beer love letters for your new podcast. So, after much deliberation, I think I've finally settled on probably one of my most loved indulgences for over lockdown. Marble Brewery's Tawny. A beer that was brought back to life last year by the Marble team as part of their retro series of beers. An old school bitter, full of flavour, 
but expertly balanced with a slight Belgian twist at the end. Full of bready malts and rye-like spiciness, topped with lashings of thick-cut marmalade, and a peppery pine-like zinc at the end from the yeast. It's a beer that's both familiar and contemporary at the same time, and one which I'm looking forward to sharing with friends once it's safe to do so. In the meantime though, I'm going to have to cover myself by just having another one I guess. So, cheers to you, cheers to the podcast, and salute. Hi Marv, it's Austin from Kings Heath, otherwise known as your husband. As you know, I'm a home brewer, and the beer that I've been giving love to this week is one I've brewed myself. It's called Improper Hop. It's a powerfully hopped IPA weighing in at 5.6%, and it's based on proper job from St. Austell. But because I didn't have all the correct hops to hand when I brewed it, I ended up using a few substitutions, hence Improper Hop. Oh, thank you very much, Austin, a.k.a. The Hubs. Um, I can vouch for the fact that Improper Hop is outstanding. Uh, so keep those homebrews coming, Oz, because uh, whilst you do that, you make me a very, very happy wife. And thanks to Tim telling us about his love of uh, Marble's uh, Tawny Beer, which sounds right up my street, chewy marmalade <clears throat> Um, right, well now it's straight back to Miranda Hudson of Duration Brewing here on the Beer Beauty Podcast. This is a real test of your business now, isn't it? And how to come up with <laughs> the next oh, yeah. idea and the next plan. And, we, and we, so because we needed to, we've expanded the team. And also because we saw that early demand in like April, May, we put in more tanks. I mean, we had planned in our business plan we had more tanks at about 15 months in so about now we we thought we would have needed them but we put them in you know six months earlier so what's your capacity now 180 hectolitre capacity on the clean side and then we've also got about 100 hectolitres on the wood division side because we've got three big wooden barrels oh. A cool ship, and then we've put in a little 20 tank on that side for some sort of more funky stuff. Yeah, some little play around yeah. stuff. So, so yeah, so now, like, it, especially in January, it's super quiet. So we were like, let's just slow production a little bit. Maybe on some of those big tanks, we just half fill them for now. Because, of course, if you're brewing only cans, mm. that's a lot of cans to push on people. Mm. Like, normally half of that tank would be kegs that would go off to pubs. Of course. But instead, you're like, still got more cans, guys. Got lots of cans. What are your big ones at the moment? What would you say is your uh, most popular beer at the moment? So far and away, our most popular beer is Turtles, the American Pale. This is the one I'm drinking. Yay. And this is not, Um, this is telepathic, clearly, because we did not, we did not, (laughs) we did not converse about this before. (laughs) And I was going to get to it and go, it's amazing. Oh. Oh, wow. So really, it's your most popular. I'm not surprised. So that one's really popular. We have a lager, a, a pilsner called Doses that's really popular. Yeah. Um, Who doesn't love a... Oh, man. You get a good, clean pilsner, man. It's just yeah. it's just the best thing in the world, isn't it? I mean, Bates, Bates likes West Coasts as, yeah. as sort of PLLs and IPAs go. So, so this Turtles leans more towards an East Coast kind of beer. Yeah, and it, it's kind of low. It's low bit. It's low bitterness. It's not. It's yeah, not it's quite too, soft. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. soft, and so it it makes it so so easily drinkable. And um, in terms of, cause it's five point five, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's right up my street. 
because I like <laughs> I like some power. I like power in yeah. my beer, and um, <laughs> it is delicious. And oh, mo- mo- mosaic, which is one of so my it's got favorites. Mosaic yeah, and, mosaic um, hop. Halatau Blanc in there. Yeah. What out of your beer range is your favourite beer and food match? Oh, so I do really enjoy the one I'm having at the moment, actually, called Little Fanfare, Mm -hmm. with a nice bit of fish off the grill. Mm. Because this is quite um, high carbonation. It's quite citrusy, but it's very light. So it just sort of like flutters over your tongue. What's the style again? Talk us through it again. So this is a grisette, which is a very light um, saison. So it has a Belgian yeast. Um, It's not particularly hot forward. So it's quite dry and really effervescent and just quite spritzy. Mm. So, yeah, it's quite like I'd go for it instead of a rosé you know what i mean i like the sound of it what strength is it miranda it's 3.8 percent now that's really nice and easy drinking isn't it but i think i honestly think with beer pairing you a can pair so much more beer than you can wine with food and also i think it's whatever you want you know like for me um I would say burgers go really well with lagers, um, but equally IPAs or hoppy beers go nice with, you know, like a nice juicy bit of sort of steak. If you mm. if you eat meat, that is. Um, I, do you not? But yeah, I I do. You do. Good. Me too. Con- I'm an omnivore. Carnival. 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 Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But yeah, I think isn't. I think. <laughs> It all goes with, you know, it's anything goes. Like stout, I'd say, like, is a pudding beer for me. Yeah, same um, here. Yeah. yeah. And it's not something I always want, you know, like I've, I've got to be in the mood for a, a, a hefty dark beer. Um, when it comes to stouts for me, I'm just purely, I, I'm just, um, I always get the big bad ones out. Give me an Imperial Russian any day i am just that girl and um friday nights austin and i we've gotten into the mood of friday nights we just raid the cupboard for what imperial russian stouts have we got or and we just line up about four yeah put on bbc4 (laughs) some nostalgic music you know music documentary on top of the pops and just get in Mm. yeah so a bit like that i can imagine um a stout going quite nicely with a like making an espresso an espresso martini and adding stout in Mm. but yeah i feel like i often find like turtles say when you ask me with that i'd i'd have that as a prelude to a meal i find like new england's and those softer kind of quite hoppy sort of a, a bit sweeter beers i find i don't enjoy them with food mm. but that's just me um yeah bates makes a hell of a lot of west coast <laughs> sort of beers and so how would you define the difference between west coast and east coast because it's i think this is interesting for people who are going right you know i might be looking to try particular types of beers and i'm like what's the difference so then i can decide which way yeah. to go first i would say um, the difference for me between an East Coast and a West Coast is a West Coast will have a little bit of resinous or pine, 
piney kind of note to it. And it will also finish like a bitter. So it will have like a very almost crisp, refreshing, deep bitterness over your tongue at the end. Mm. Whereas, especially with turtles, it's a lot softer. So there's still a lot of hops on the nose and it smells very juicy, but maybe a lot more tropical like i think a west coast you can still get a lot of fruitiness off the hops on the nose but the the main difference for me is that it just finishes nice and bitter on a west coast yeah 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 and so yeah and i agree you you do get that the the pininess from a western i think my i favor an east because of the sweetness there and a and a and a a soft nature in the bitterness although you know i love my i love my love my ipas i love as bitter as hell ipa as well so and i yeah i feel like an east coast also maybe is less fizzy Mm. like i feel like that there'll be a bit more bubble in the west coast yeah a little bit more fizz Mm. a little bit more fizz (laughs) and so um what have you got coming up what's what can you tell us what's on the way what's cooking what's baits cooking up man (laughs) for spring we have gone all crispy and kind of a little bit belgian so we've got two wheat wheat beers coming out um every year or i say every year for the second year we are making um when you say that i'm kind of just like it doesn't make sense because it feels like you've been with us, you know, we feel like... <laughs> well, we, we collaboratively, know. we were putting out beers a year before, a year and a half before we opened our mm. site because um, the lovely people at Cloudwater and at um, Amundsen let us um, use a few of their tanks. So we put a few beers out early. And then before that, like 2017, we were doing collabs all around the place. Um, and Bates is like, we won't, we don't want to trouble my friends. I'm like, but you know, all the really good breweries. So mm-hmm. just, you know, we can brew with them and it will be really good. Mm. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and cool. he was like, oh no. And I was like, oh yes. Oh yes. Um, we will. But coming up, coming up, we've got, so Promise of Spring um, is a beer that is a spring wheat beer that we did last year working with Nurtured in Norfolk, who produce all different kinds of botanicals, edible flowers, micro vegetables, and they're like a nursery nearby us. And they, 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 their main clientele is sort of high-end restaurants. So I think they've really struggled this year because they're currently closed and they were just like, it's not worth keeping the plants alive. No one's buying them. So they're closed at the moment. So we went out and foraged because last year we put a floral addition in this wheat beer called Promise of Spring. And um, to me, Promise of Spring is that first burst of like snowdrops. Mm, yeah. Um, so last year we put marigolds that have mm. um, like quite a bursty, fresh kind of note to them. Mostly got it on the nose. Uh, didn't get too much on the mouth, like on the taste mm. of that flower. But we did all the other things that you do with a, a sort of classic um, Belgian wheat which is adding coriander seed and adding orange peel um, and a tiny bit of um, grains of paradise sort of for a little sort of peppery note to it. But yeah, so this year we went out and foraged and we picked gorse flowers. So what are you reckoning that's going to bring to the brew? So hopefully a little bit of coconut. 
Ooh. So a gorse flower <laughs> sits on a thorn sits on a thorny bush in woodlands and it has a really bright sort of canary yellow flower. And when you nibble that flower, they come out, they're the first sort of flower to come out. I think they come out even before the snowdrops. And they have like just a little, not full on coconut, but just like a, a, a slight tropical lilt to them. Mm. And yeah, a little bit of coconut. So we teamed it with Sabro, which is a hop that is quite Marmite in the love it or hate it steaks. But yeah, Sabro gives off coconut vibes so you have to use it in the right quantities yeah to not overpower so we felt like, yeah to not overpower it yeah and Bates like all of Bates's brewing is no funky adjuncts he doesn't just lob in a load of mango no. he's like very much what can grow nearby what sort of what can you do with the main ingredients to deliver you know you can get chocolate from the malts and you can get all kinds of fruits from the hops and you can even get stone fruits and all sorts from the yeast so yeah tiny bit of um sabro hop and then the gorse flowers hopefully it will just be how a wheat beer should be which is a little tart quite crisp and refreshing um a little sort of citrus lilt to it and then a tiny bit of maybe coconut sounds exquisite <laughs> really does you know um um yeah and I, I love anything kind of coconut but if it's too uh, yeah if it's too overpowering then it will it spoils a beer so you do need kind of a hint of it really um mm -hmm. well i suppose i say that from my own personal taste you know someone else might go hey yeah lob in the coconuts guys i just love it <laughs> um sounds fantastic and um when can we when can we expect to be able to lay our hands so on that, that would you say tank that's in tank now and I, where are we at now we're on the 16th of feb now so i would say it'll definitely be out this month oh my goodness great i'll place an order yeah I'll get my <laughs> hands on some fun flipping tastic and um before we wrap things up um mm -hmm. your hopes and dreams for the industry this year i mean you know given the the news the other day um Obviously, you know, the British Beer and Pub Association are keeping us up to date on what's happening industry-wise, but, um, you know, something like 29,000 pubs will probably still be closed, even if outdoor service is permitted at pubs um, from April. I mean, hopes and fears for this year, Miranda? I really hope that there'll be something sensible put out for venues exactly like you said that, that won't be able to open. So I'm thinking of you know, places like um, there's a there's a really lovely little micro pub called um, the Dodo, uh, Micro Dodo. I hope I've got that right. Micro Dodo sounds weird saying it. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I really hope that there'll be some kind of package or deal or something offered to preserve the amazing hard work of so many people that are just owner operators. You know, they're people who don't have a big shareholding or support and comfort of, you know, money and bailouts or whatever. They, you know, I feel really lucky as a brewery that that we we do have quite a conscientious small shareholding that while they can't, you know, 
give us unlimited funds there is a little bit there so that we've been like we've definitely lent on them in this period and said look it's just about making it to the other side and when we can make it to the other side and the lights come back on i hear there's going to be this roaring 20s where everyone that's been a coiled up spring that maybe has managed to save a bit of income through not traveling and working from home and not going out is going to want to patronize all these wonderful places so I really hope that everyone that has been holding out and holding on like we all have can make it and maybe that needs a little bit of sort of government support um I really fear that the supermarkets are just going to get all the control like I feel, I feel, I know from running my tiny little brewery shop on a Saturday, which is the only other time I see living beings, um, <laughs> that those people have come because I do a loyalty card and they, they get a little stamp. And if they fill up their stamp, just like at Cafe oh, Nero, wicked. they get a little reward yeah. and they come week in, week out. And they're not even in it for the prize. I mean, they are in it for the prize, but they're also there just saying, you're something to do. You're brilliant. Keep going. You know, we're putting a little bit your way and not to the supermarket. But don't don't judge us if we if we do go and buy some supermarket. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. and so I feel like people have really discovered things that were right on their doorstep that they didn't know were there. So I feel like that collective small community with a little C where people look at what's in their immediate surrounds. I feel like that has come back a lot more and people have come to respect and notice the butcher, the baker, whoever it is that's nearby them. And so... You're right. That's one of the kind of really positive things that's come out of this hideous year, you know, um, uh because a lot of people experienced, you know, awful personal tragedy and, you know, we'll never, ever lose sight of that. But um, Mm. in terms of what's come out of, you know, that community spirit and people helping people locally who've been in need and also recognising, like you said, yeah, we've got a local store here, an independent store here, you know, an independent brewery. Let's go and buy a beer from them. Let's go and see them. You know, that that has come back because we are Mm -hmm. a lot of us. We're not rushing around like crazy people all the time and missing these things that were under our nose. We're actually being forced to see things more clearly. I'm really curious if people go back to like international or or non-domestic travel Mm. or whether travel also becomes more domestic. Mm. Because I think... I think there'll be a caution. Yeah. Yeah, until we all feel safe that you know, crossing borders and things isn't going to bring new strains in. I think people will be a bit sort of trepidatious, but yeah, I just, I think this has all been really levelling. So I hope we can all take the positives from it. You know, we've all realised that none of us are fallible, like infallible, and that falling down is just sometimes beyond your circumstances and it's just how we help everyone get back up and I feel like I really want it to be you know in beer it's always a team effort you're always in it to help the other person and there's always someone across the bar or at another brewery or you know that you met at a festival or an event and it is it's not always about what's in the glass it's about what's around it so I hope that the beer community will help 
all of the people in the industry to sort of get back on their feet. I think they will. And, you know, you, you see it in, in that there are so many pubs that have, you know, turned into food banks and people that are coming together and working with local restaurants and feeding people who are unable to feed their families and what have you. And there's so much community spirit yeah. in this entire industry. Um, you know, I don't think there's, you know, those who will be able to help, there's no doubt they will, they will yeah. help continue to help. I really hope people don't leave. Like there's so many great people in beer mm. and it's not always the best paid kind of mm. industry. So I really hope people, those talents and those brilliant minds and those people who make that experience all the richer for being with us I, I really hope that they don't leave yeah. and go back to finance or something it's been, it, it's been the ultimate <laughs> test hasn't it it's been the ultimate test and how have you um on a personal level a personal level outside of working your socks off in the brewery how have you been mm. able to kind of um get a bit of downtime wind down Miranda I um have a polytunnel in my garden and being a city girl, in summer, I was like, I called it so, so for sadness and grow for joy. <laughs> and I was like, I was really like this really middle class kind of middle aged woman going, I'm going to grow courgettes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. So I, yeah, I put things in the ground and I help them grow. I'm, we also got a dog. So I'm I'm really lucky that I've got um you know a family and that Bates is amazing he does all the cooking in our household. I'm a bit of a workaholic and I I have slightly run myself ragged so just before Christmas I think I had a proper meltdown took myself off to the doctors and was like I'm really stressed out. So it is really important to look after your mental health like and I'm saying this as someone who has, you know, like a mental health condition. So I have to be careful. And at times I have to be medicated. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're the last person to see that you're not looking after yourself. So I've definitely got back on a healthier regime of late. But, yeah, it's 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 definitely been a juggling act. And um, so the polytunnel was really good because... It just took me into the present moment and into doing something physical and it was almost meditative you know but just i was there present in the moment having a beer after work tending to my tomatoes <laughs> so, i love the way how, you speak that's how about i got it. through <laughs> i love the way you speak about it because you know i can imagine you in there hands in the dirt and um, there is something um, cathartic. Like, I am going to make tomatoes. <laughs> I don't care. You're going to grow. You're going to grow. I'm going <laughs> to give you all my love and you're going to grow. But I was angry. I was angry. Like I was there going, I don't bloody want to do a polytunnel. I just got to do something that's not work. And I was like, because I knew that if I let myself just focus on work, it would become all encompassing. And we were facing some quite scary moments. You know, you're looking down the barrel of a cash flow <laughs> just going oh yeah like if revenue does not pick up and if we have to sustain a very long time there will be rent to pay there will be kit repayments you know and we put in a very big expensive kit so there's a point where it just doesn't add up 
and it's just not viable yeah. but I'm like but that doesn't matter yeah. because we are still growing so it's still relative yeah. and it is a good business model there's just no customers <laughs> yeah yeah honestly you've handled it incredibly because you know it's can only imagine what that is like because you know you are doing it you're running the business all i do you know i'm a gob on a stick you know just talking about it and writing about it so it's incredible to hear how you as a family are handling it i think whatever if you're passionate about what you do it's not just like you shouldn't play it down oh. what you do is really relevant I, I... no but i mean like we've we've done so well because we've had spokespeople say oh look at this brewery you know so like it's not to be sniffed at like we've we've been really fortunate to get some really great press and have people talking about us and like that ambassadorial kind of PR whatever you call it like all of it's relevant like the industry works as a whole and it works because customers like the beer, because those customers interact with those shopkeepers, those shopkeepers interact with those breweries. And then there's the sort of wider press and industry sort of and the critics sitting over us. So all of that rumbles into good beer. And like, it doesn't matter if you own a company like, yeah, I feel great because I get some autonomy in my work and I'm not just, you know, pushing pencils for someone else I get to feel like I steer this ship but sometimes I'm like I just want to clean toilets <laughs> like I really don't care <laughs> please just take away all the numbers and all the worry and all the headache I would gladly like yeah. sometimes when I got stressed I would go to the brewery and I would clean the shower room the brewer's shower room and then I would like organize the fridge and I would get ready for a day of like we've been lucky enough to be able to open a small sort of cellar door takeout shop thing and I just busy myself in there and I'm like I can't look at the big numbers or the big stuff I'm just going to organize stuff <laughs> so I think but I think it's all relevant I think and, and and that's really kind of you to say that and I'd never really thought about it in that way in this ecosystem of you know a beer and pubs and and writers and press but and if people weren't yeah. sort of rise like pulling us up and going hey look at this amazing brewery like I go around saying that anyway because I don't care <laughs> but <laughs> to have it said by someone else is so much better um you know and like I think all of those people you know like we've been really fortunate that that people have you know put snippets about us in magazines and they've written little bits when they've done books and they've you know, invited us on to talk and having that platform, honestly, I can't tell you what it's done for us as a brewery. So, you know, thank you. Thank you. Keep making awesome beers. And thank you for being so candid and honest about how you handle the maelstrom of everything that's going on around you trying to keep this business afloat. And I think it's really, really important. And, and you know, that you talked about, you know, self-care, what you do to, you know, polytunnels and doing the cleaning or whatever, because we can all take I've something away. I've also gone and shouted at the top of my lungs. Have you done the, the screaming? That, oh, good. <laughs> I've done the screaming into the, screaming into, into the night. Uh, yeah. And uh, there was a meteor shower at one point and I was like, wow, man, cosmic. <laughs> but then one time I was having a total shout and Bates was like, 
the neighbours walking his dog. And I was like, I don't care. I was like, hello, Simon. I'm having a bad day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> sometimes you just got to let it out, haven't you? Have, you? you have, you have, you have. And I think it's really important that everybody finds their way of um, handling what is being thrown at us all so thank you so much for sharing that oh you're welcome thanks for having me on it's been it's been fun having a chat it's been brilliant keep making awesome beers love debates love to the family and um as mm-hmm. soon as um we get back to normal as everyone says in inverted commas i'm gonna come <laughs> and see you yes please do and in the meantime we can find you and your beers and this awesome mm-hmm. rock star photo <laughs> on your website What's up? Bates looking surly. Yeah, he's looking like he's looking like male model kind of. Yeah, what's up? What's up? Um, He comes out with such funny. When he does speak, he comes out with such funny stuff. We were on (laughs) an online tour that we do every um, month, and Matt Curtis was on it, Mm -hmm. and they were having this back and forth about Czech pilsners and German pilsners, and Bates went, "I'm sorry, Matt. I don't want to be the yuck to your yum." Oh, whoa. <laughs> and I was like, I've not heard that one before. I'm the yuck to your yum. Never heard that yeah. one before. No. So we can come and stalk you at durationbeer.com. That's right. And um, buy your beers there as well. Lovely. Yeah, we're at Duration Beer across all social media. Miranda, it's been a pleasure and an honour. Awesome to see you and uh, look forward to seeing you in person soon. Oh, Marv, it's been brilliant. Yeah, see come visit. Soon. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see her again in person. And you can, of course, see her virtually because Duration run online tastings on the second Thursday of every month. Head to their website for more details on that. And it's also where you can buy all of their beers. And actually, at the moment, there are not just one, but two Mother's Day beer bundles available. And there are subscription boxes there as well. Cool. So the March copy of BBC Good Food Mag is out now and my beer column's in it this month. There are three beers I talk about there. Curious Brew, a lovely light, fresh, clean, super drinkable lager made by Chapeldown Wines in Kent. I get a little bit of a honey sweetness on this one and I think that maybe comes from the re-fermentation with the champagne yeast. It's absolutely knockout, worth buying. Salopian Brewery in Shropshire are the makers of Lemon Dream. 4.5%. It's been a firm favourite and an award winner for many years, but for some reason I haven't managed to taste it. I cannot get over how addictive the lemon flavours are Um, when I drunk this beer. um, It's not sour, by the way. It's a golden ale, true to the style, low bitterness. And again, I get a light sweetness. I think if you're new to beer, you've got to try it. Um, I think it'd be knockout with cotton chips in the beer garden. Oh my goodness. It's an, really, to me, it's an absolute must. Um, and just worth you having a case ready for those times when the sun comes out and it's warmer and, you know, you can get into the garden or you're having a little kind of barbecue. Um, it's awesome. I also mentioned the Jex Blake Mosaic IPA at 6.5% from Belfield Brewery up in beautiful Edinburgh. Um, that's a crap accent. Sorry about that. Um, made with the, these incredible, beautiful hops uh, called Mosaic. It's just that hop in the beer. It offers a tropical note in the flavour. And um, because these 
crops of the hops um, were decimated with the wildfires last year. This is a really a limited edition beer. It's all sold out now. Um, but have no fear because Belfield make an incredible range of other beers. And um, there's actually an International Women's Day beer available called Rational Creatures. Of course, it's a tropical IPA. It's 4.3% low IBUs. IBUs being the bitterness scale. So five being low, 120 being very high. So I had a quick catch up with one of Belfield's brewers, Sally McGarry, to tell me all about it. This was our second International Women's Day brew. Um, and the first thing we did last year was we did a little hot blending session with all the women that work at Belfield Brewery. Um, and it was really, really fun way for everyone to get involved. Um, so this year we decided to do a similar thing. So we all got together and played with all the hops um, and decided what we thought would taste the most delicious. Um, now we were aiming for a style. Um, so we were aiming for an IPA with kind of like a fruit forward, tropical, dark um, fruit aspect to it. Um, maybe more like stewed fruits mm. um, than dark red fruits, you know. Uh, and it's uh, fairly accessible. It's 4.3% because we we really believe in pints here at Belfield Brewery. Uh, we think pints are really important. <laughs> um, we wanted you to be able to have a pint of it if you wanted to. Um, so it's quite sort of like light. It's a bit malt forward. Uh, it's not super heavy in IBUs. And then it's got a really nice sort of tropical uh, hop backbone to it as well. Yeah, it's delightful. I've just poured myself a little bit more, actually, because I saved some from the can, oh, from the tasting. Yeah. And um, it's a lovely colour. So it's kind of, it's, it's. It, I mean, I'm sitting here in an, a bit of artificial light, but to me with this here, is it more golden? It's more golden, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, it feels like, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we really like that sort of like malt flavour. I think mm. um, it's quite an exciting thing to make uh, gluten-free beer that's quite malty. Um, so whenever we're making our beer, we sort of don't want to let go of that a little bit. You know, we could make a much thinner, much creamier one, which is quite, um, quite common now. Lots of people are making really hoppy beers that are just like super light, no malt intervention. It's all about the hops. Um, but we, we love malt and we're really excited to be able to use it. So <laughs> it always features. And it, it tastes absolutely delightful. I think, you know, what, I mean, I'm, I'm a lover of more, um, more malt and was it Chris it feels like Chris more crystal malt in this in this beer perhaps a little bit of a sweeter edge I think T talk us through the kind of um the malt um that you used in this beer and also the hops the kind and what sort of character they they bring to the taste yeah absolutely um so we mixed up our malt bill a little bit we used um <clears throat> A bit of extra pale um, as the backbone to the recipe uh, and then I put a little bit of like caramel in there to mm. give it that sort of like caramelized sweetness from the malt without adding too much of the tannic notes um, that you can get with colored malts. Um, we also put uh, a little bit of maize which is a great way of reducing gluten in your beer um, and adding fermentables and tasty stuff. Uh, and some oats as well. So uh, our malt supplier does some really nice, um, really nice torrified oats. Um, so it means that the grain has some really super accessible sugars um, whilst maintaining their um, solidity as well, which is kind of important when you're using something mushy like maize. Mm. Uh, so it breaks it all up and you don't drop a mash or anything. And it's so nice and smooth in the mouth. 
the mouthfeel is just lovely not not overly kind of smooth and like you said creamy but it's just it's great it, there's a, there's a body to it to the beer which you know kind of for me then you drink you drink a mouthful then you want a, you want a bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and you can of course because it's you know it's 4.5% 4.3% actually yeah. sorry my eyesight Sally yeah <laughs> I'm sitting in this half like you put your glasses on love um it's a long day it's the end of the yeah. day <laughs> it's it's amazing and and um sorry I, I interrupted you rude girl um no, no, the, it's fine. the hop the hops um what what have you got in here? Because you said he yeah, has a light bitterness, so it's not, um, it's there. It's not assertive. It's not pronounced. It's it's definitely there. But I think there's a, there's a great balance with this beer in it. You know, you have a the, the sweetness is really pleasing, but you do get that that bitterness, and it's just a, a slight aftertaste of it on the end, so it doesn't linger too much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we used. Um... Um, we didn't go for really punchy IBUs. Um, so, and also in the kettle, I wanted to use Eldorado um, as our sort of bittering hop. Um, although it's quite expensive, it's got really high alpha acids and it's quite, um, it adds like a soft bitterness mm, yeah, rather than yeah. like a harsh bitterness. Yeah, I get that. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Taste it, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and then we did quite a heavy whirlpool, um, which was a blend of um, a Zaka. El Dorado and Kashmir. Uh, and then we double dry hopped it actually. So tail end of fermentation, we dropped a bunch of hops in, like a blend of the four. Mm-hmm. Whilst it was conditioning, we dry hopped it again with a much larger proportion of Nelson Salvin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to give it that sort of like lighter, crispier sort of gooseberry impact. Mm. And what 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 kind of notes do the Azaka and Kashmir bring? Because I've 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 Obviously, I've heard of them. To me, they're kind of newer hops, but obviously, you'd be like, "Yeah, I've been using them all. I've been using them for years." Marv, where you been? Um, <laughs> but, but give us an idea of kind of what what you can kind of expect, or or, or what those hops really produce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we we used Azaka last year as well. And the reason we brought it back this year was because it was it was a crowd favorite. Everyone just absolutely loved it. It's got really nice. So. Um, where most hops bring a certain amount of citrus, um, but Azaka's got like a really phenomenal, um, kind of like a tangerine, like an mm. orangey. Wow. So it's, you know, like eating a lemon versus eating a tangerine, mm-hmm. where like a lemon is like sour and it's like really upfront, whereas a tangerine's like, it's still bitter, but it's like also got that sort of juicy maskiness of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And cashmere can be super versatile. Uh, sometimes people get quite a lot of like coconut from it. Mm. Um, certainly a little bit of apricot and that sort of stewed fruit flavor that I was Ooh, talking about. Wow. Um, and but it's so it, it, it so much depends on what you do with it and what time you add them and how you yeah, add them sure. as well. Um, but yeah, definitely the tropical aspect is what we were going for with cashmere. Excellent. It is a delightful beer. Thank you. And and I was thinking about, you know, as you talked uh, about the notes in the beer, because, you know, I'm just I'm just a lowly writer. I've done a few collaboration brews, but like years ago, so I've not done anything in, like in the last five years brew wise. So, um, so I'm coming at this, uh, you know, a bit of a lay person. Um, but it feels like with those the notes that you describe and me, you know, tasting it, I'm drinking it as we're speaking. I had um, honey mustard sausages with mash and kale um, a couple of nights ago. And I'm thinking rational creatures could go very nicely with that. It was red, red onions 
on the side, kind of sautéed red onions on the side as well. I oh think God, Rational Creatures might be a nice little mm. match for that. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, I think I think it, that's one of the things, I mean, really hoppy beers and like really heavy IBUs are, <clears throat> are one thing and they're one way of doing IPAs. But um, <clears throat> sorry, I also think that we, we have an opportunity to utilize hops in various different ways. Like your IPA doesn't just have to be really, really bitter. You can bring out all these flavor notes of the hops and by reducing the IBUs, you make it so much more accessible to food. Yeah. It really opens up like the the kind of food matching areas that you can work within. So yeah, oh, it's good to hear. Good with sausages. I'll put it on the label. Oh, she's going to put it on the can. Well, I know she's not, but it's okay. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thanks to Sally McGarry, a brewer at Belfield Brewery. Also, thanks to Miranda Hudson from Duration Brewing and also Tim and Austin for their beer love notes. In fact, if you want to send me a note, you can record me a short clip, just about 60 seconds long, um, telling me about your favourite beer, what it is, which brewery and why. Or might be the favourite beer and food match, the best one you've ever had in your life. Email that clip to me at hello at beerbeauty.co.uk. I'll have a listen to them all. And I'll put a couple of the live list ones in a future edition of the pod. And you never know, you might just get a little beer surprise from me. That's it from me for now. Please subscribe. Please leave me a review. You can follow all my beer antics and um, beer rants and beer suggestions on Beer Beauty on Twitter. On Instagram, though, I am at TBMarv. Yeah, I know. I know they're two different accounts. I do like to make life complicated. And um, please remember to come back next time, won't you? See you soon.